Welcome into the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm your host, Rudo, joined as always by AJ Hafley, dancing like he was listening to gospel music behind the scenes there for a second. So enjoy the DuckTales to start today off. That's right. <laughs> DuckTales, DuckTales is the jam, son. I, don't, I will hear no hating of DuckTales. Also... Kind of shocked that there isn't a really popular Anaheim podcast called DuckTales. You would think. I mean... I don't get it. <laughs> the Mighty DuckTales? I guess they're just the ducks these days. But... Yeah. Don't even need Don't even need to infringe upon Disney's rights. You just call it DuckTales. I mean, is calling it DuckTales not infringing upon Disney's rights? No, because it's a story about ducks. <laughs> Every day, you get to tell duck stories. <laughs> All right. Ducktales. Well, today we are we are talking about the Abs ducklings on the show, the prospects. Nice. So, we'll have to we'll have to get into it a little bit here. AJ and I have compiled our lists of prospects that we believe have NHL potential that are 23 and younger, must be on their ELCs or less. And 20 or less games played in the NHL. So a very specific list basically to tell you. I did not consider ELCs for the record, but it worked out anyway. I mean, anyone on their ELC, I think the only person on their ELC that like qualifies are Byram and Werner and Anon. And I guess he's on his ELC too. It doesn't doesn't really matter if you're on your ELC. Yeah, that's true too. His but ELC's like finished. I don't think there are any ELCs that are over twenty-three, so we're good on that regard. <laughs> nope, they did not sign Cam Morrison. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, the one player that doesn't count that I'm sure people will be curious about is Logan O'Connor. We're not counting him as a prospect. Yeah. Uh, everyone else. He he was he graduated out outside yep. of the parameters. And we talked about him yesterday and, and expectations of him being a thirteenth forward. So. If you want more on him, you can go look up yesterday's show. But for today's show, we have our lists. AJ, let's start off with your list because you had an 18-player list, whereas I only had 16. Uh, First of all, we both had Colby Ambrosio at the bottom of our lists. Uh, I I threw him on there just because of the skating, basically. Uh, I threw him on there because of I, I I like the skating and I like the playmaking ability. Uh, and I and I like the shot. Like I like the offensive profile. I don't know that he's going to be able to do it at his size at a higher level, but I feel like the skills are there that make up a, a legit NHL prospect. Yeah, I I mean that's fair. I, I do think he has quality playmaking ability. Uh, I'm not as super confident in the shot, but he's kind of the new shiny, right? You throw him on the list and. If he has a good year up in college, then he can rise. If he does nothing, then he probably won't be on the list next season. Yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. Like he's very, uh, very similar in in my mind to Tyler Weiss, who um, I really debated back and forth whether or not I I viewed him as a legit NHL prospect. For me, um, that's still wait and see. More to see there. Uh, he's got to sell me on that one. For Weiss does. The the separator for me for Ambrosio to Weiss is not the not the height but the uh, the size. Weiss yeah. is like I haven't I, maybe he's put on pounds this offseason. Obviously, haven't seen him, but that dude is you're begging him to be 150 pounds, right? 
and Ambrosio is closer to 170. So there's a little bit more meat on the bones there. Yeah. Um, but the two guys you have at 17 and 16 are guys I did not have on my list in, in Ryder Rolston and, and Matt Steinberg. So can you sell me on these guys as, as NHL players? I know you're a big Ryder fan, so. Um, well, and like the the and the reason I have both of these guys ahead of Ambrosio is because that these are guys with physical profiles that translate to the NHL, where they're both they're both good skaters. They they both have good size. Ste- Steinberg's an okay skater. I don't want to oversell that. Um, but they're they're both guys that you could see being role players uh, if they hone their skill sets. And they have enough skill to get them into the league. They're both guys that you see as role players. And Steinberg especially has a really physical element to his game that very few other abs prospects do. And that's that's that alone, I think, will earn him maybe uh, an, an extra look down the road. Uh, when it comes time to have the ELC conversation, he's in the BCHL right now, waiting for his college season to start. So we'll, you know, we'll we'll see how he does. He had an okay freshman year. Uh, I'm not as down on him as a lot of other Avs prospect people are, but I do have him near the bottom of my list for a reason. He's real close to that cutoff line for me of what I view as a legit NHL prospect. And with Ralston. I have ahead of just ahead of Ambrosio, just because I think that, uh, just because I think he's got, uh, he's got a real shot between. Uh, he has a good shot. He's a very good skater. He has good size, and he has a very good understanding of who he is. And I think he's going to a really good stylistic fit for him in college at Notre Dame. I yeah. think that it, uh, the Notre Dame thing makes me a little nervous because yeah. they they coach a lot of offense out of their forwards especially but i think Ralston is the kind of guy i'm not expecting that part of his game to be such a a selling point that i don't i don't worry about what what development at Notre Dame might do to that part of his game uh, i think that he will be a four year guy that you give an ELC2 down ELC2 down down the road and can come in right away and be an impact guy for you in your bottom six, assuming he, you know, does get better. I can, I could be convinced on Rolston, putting Rolston on my list. Uh, I do have the same worries about Notre Dame. I, I, yeah, I, I think, I think you fear Notre Dame in this case more than I do. I think I do. And that's, you have to have a certain production level to really get a look in the NHL. And I don't know if Notre Dame can get Rolston to where he needs to be in that regard. But I do like his tools a lot better than I like Steinberg's. Yes, Steinberg does have that physical side to his game, but I worry about the skill level with him to a point where I just can't put him on my list. I can totally see Rolston getting to that role player level and, and having that base level of skill uh, to to make it in the NHL. But yeah. I'm just not sure that Steinberg has it there. Yeah, um, the the con. So we're gonna we'll talk about Nick Henry. <laughs> yeah, the guy was, we both left off of our list. Yeah, Nick Henry didn't make either one of our lists. Well. Yeah, uh, and there's a there's a very specific reason for that, um, but we'll we'll get there. Um, 
yeah, I'm I'm I like the physical attributes that those bottom those those guys have. I have on the bottom of my list that you don't have at all. Yep. Um, I really like those. Um, so that's that's kind of what I'm I'm leaning on those a little bit. Yeah, I I I understand it. I again I see it a lot more with Rolston than I do in Steinberg, but I think Rolston is a guy that in a year I'll feel a lot more comfortable with my thoughts on him. Once he gets into Notre Dame system and, and gets himself comfortable at the NCAA level, I think I'll have a lot better read kind of the same story with Ambrosio where, you know, it, the jump to the next level of hockey, let's see what happens. Yeah. Uh, the, the next guy we can talk about number 15 on my list here, Daniel Zaravlov or Danila, depending on who you ask. Um, it's so one thing about the Russian guys that drives me crazy. Yeah, they have like they all have like three or four different ways that they go by uh, their first names, their name spellings. Yeah, yeah, like the the four different ways you can spell Igor. Yeah. <laughs> all right, whatever, man. Anyway, Zaravilov. Yeah, Zaravilov. Uh, look, I still think he's a talented defenseman. As a teenager, he managed to get himself regular playing time in the KHL on defense, mm-hmm. which is, it's something that is not super common at all. Yeah. It's a notable accomplishment. Uh, definitely. I do. The, I do think he has some modern defensive ability in him with puck moving and, and good offensive instincts. But the other side of the KHL there is look, Andre Miranov was an all-star defenseman in that league once upon a time. Yeah. Yeah, and well, and I mean, when you look at the Russian Olympic roster, yep, you're not exactly running down a group of all stars. Yep, it's just not a country known for developing defenders as well. You know, it, it, there's a reason for that. And with Sharavalov, I think that you know the the size is really, eh. yeah, the it's. You can fit a player like Zaravilov on an NHL roster, I think. It would be very hard for the Avs to do that, given the type of players they already have in that lineup. They don't yeah. really have any. I guess EJ is probably the biggest one on their, their defense now. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Graves is 6'5". Oh, that's true. Graves you is know, like, He doesn't play that big, but yeah. Right. And um, like Zadorov was 6'6", too, and it was like, you know, you're – you just didn't didn't make enough use of it. Yeah. But with but with Zhiravilov, he's a straight like six foot. The, well, the the thing is that he doesn't there's there's nothing that he does with his size. Right. It's not only that, it's it's the opposite. Is he's been a guy who's been hurt a bit over the last two seasons. He started this season with a broken arm. Yeah. So it's another guy where you're asking the question a bit of, can he stay healthy? And that's on top of the fact that he's Russian. And is this kid even going to come over to realistically play in the AHL? Because Zaravilov is not the type of talent that's likely to make the jump directly to the NHL. Right. He'd have to, he's going to have to be willing to do what Miranov wasn't, which was pay some, pay some AHL dues. Yep. Yep. You know, Gotta if you want to make it to the NHL, you got to be able to to bite that bullet a little bit if you're not the the type of talent to make the jump right away. Yeah, and like Zhiravilov, 
there are some tools there that like you like that you can project seeing okay totally. like this is useful and that's why he's on both of our lists it's just that more and more it's it's some of it is organizationally that the abs not ended a great up fit, with sure they ended up with so many like high end guys at that position yep um but it's it's also that even if he becomes an NHLer, like he's not he he's not going to like play their PK. He's not going to play a power play. So right right away, you're talking about a guy that that's not giving you any special teams play, and isn't so good at any one thing that that gets him into the lineup. You know, like like how is that? How is this guy going to get into the NHL lineup over Ryan Graves? Right. Graves just signed a three year deal, and by the end of that deal there's a decent chance he's like a hard sixth defenseman Yep. for the abs. If he makes it to the end of that contract in Colorado, there's yep. a decent chance that he's like very clearly the least talented player on that, on that group. And with Zhravilov, how do you get ahead of that guy? And that's, that's where I'm not sold. And, you know, maybe, maybe they get a seventh defenseman out of him, which would be, would be fine. Yeah, totally. Um, but it's it's mostly uh, where do, where does where do you see the skill set translating and projecting to get him into the NHL? I mean, honestly, you said it. Seventh defenseman, a guy that can give you consistent minutes at five on five when you throw him in the lineup is what you're hoping for out of the yeah. guy. Isn't isn't going to give you anything overwhelming, anything that you're really in love with, but will get you by like you're hoping that this becomes a guy who doesn't hurt you yep. when he's in the lineup, you know, not going to take a lot of penalties. We'll be okay. Moving the puck, but just doesn't excel at anything. Really? Yeah. So let's talk about Nick Henry real quick at the end of this first segment here. Neither, okay. neither of us put him on the list uh, after both of us being relatively high on him last yeah. season. We were really excited for his first pro year. And then his first pro year was pretty much a disaster yeah and this is this is the uh the the constant question you know nick henry's the the big nick henry fans are gonna say it was the abs who never gave him a chance and there's an argument like there's a conversation to be to be had here about nick henry and why we both when it comes to do we see the guy in the nhl after his first pro year the answer is just no yeah i and look, I do think it's it's a gray area. I don't know that the Avs did him any favors, but at the same time, the guy had nine points in 42 games. Yeah, and like, he was pretty stapled. To he was pretty stapled to the, to the back end of that AHL. Bottom lineup. six, certainly. And do, and he's, and he's, you know, he's playing next to like these AHL deal guys, Wagner, uh, right? And like, and like, you know, Igor was there last year as well before he yep. decided to bail. For sure. So it wasn't like he was, you know, <laughs> wasn't like he was drowning without a, at least some kind of talent there. But it's it was tough for Henry because it's it's kind of like what happened with Greer with the Avs in the NHL. Yep. Where he got up there, he played a handful of games. You know, he played a decent number of games where you got a you got a feel for his game. You got to look at him. Did not play a very big role 
um, very often, but also didn't do anything in the role he was given. And that's really tough. Yep. And so that that's where that's where you ask the question: Is it the organization not giving him a chance? Is it him not doing anything to deserve a bigger chance? And little of both. Yeah, right. I think the reality is the answer is it's both. On the one hand, put that guy next to a Martin Cout and a Shane Bowers, and maybe he plays up to that talent level. Maybe putting we saw that the rookie around, tournament. Right. They looked fantastic together as a line. They were really good. Why would you not can carry that over into the actual AHL season? One of those many, many questions that you ask about the direction of the AHL team sometimes where you're like, what is their goal here? What are they trying to get out of these guys? Are they developing yeah. the kids or are they just trying to play hockey and, and win a Calder? Right. This is this this is where the Eagles being the Eagles is kind of harmful for their partnership is that the Colorado Eagles have always been very successful and they have to be successful in order to sell out that building, in order to stay afloat financially, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All those things have to, they feed into each other. Yep. And so you're the, you know, sometimes that, that franchise is going to prioritize the, the playing of a guy like Ryan Wagner. These, some of these guys on AHL deals and Eric Condra that you bring in for veteran leadership and blah, blah, blah. Right. But that guy also takes valuable ice time away from a kid that you're you're bringing into his first pro year, and you're sending him down to the to the ECHL, or he's playing fourth line minutes for you because you loaded up on AHL veterans to be competitive. And and it it is, it is a tough conversation though. And don't get me wrong, when you and me have this conversation, I think we're both on the side of if it were up to us, the AHL would be a 100 percent developmental league. Yeah. And it would all be feeding into the NHL team. Yeah. But if you're the GM of the Eagles, if you are the head coach of the Eagles and Greg Cronin, and you have Nick Henry playing in your bottom six and he's not driving play for you at all, why would you move him up the lineup? Yeah. You're not looking at Nick Henry struggling to make any kind of an impact on the fourth line and saying, well, maybe the second, maybe if I give him a job on the second line, he'll figure it out. That's. Yeah. The opposite of what right. happens. Yep. That's where a guy gets sent down to Utah and says, okay, go play a top six role down there. Do your job down there. He does just fine. And then he comes back and it's like, why yeah, isn't this you, translating? Right. Yeah. And of course you, you talk about the different roles involved. Oh, he goes down to Utah and he plays a top six role. He does well. Imagine that. Yep. But this is also not going to be a top six guy in the NHL. If he can't figure out how to be any kind of an impact guy or a useful guy in the bottom six in the AHL, he doesn't have an NHL future. And and this is a tough reality for the AV system, particularly. They have really struggled to develop role players into the NHL. Yeah. AJ Greer is probably the closest they've gotten in the past decade or so. I mean... Like Logan O'Connor is like their shining star right. at this point. He's he's the one that's probably going to make it right now, and that's a guy who who came in and was not a bottom six player in the AHL at all. He put up forty points down there, you know. Yes, he PK. Yes, he does all this other stuff that he plays a style of game that fits the bottom six in the NHL very very well. Yeah, but that's an AHL high end or at least higher end talent, I should say, that also fits the bottom six in the NHL. How do you get a role player up to the next level? 
O'Connor was also a couple of years older because he was. He played, he played a couple of years in college already. And this, this is sort of like, you know, we're, we're 21 minutes into this and we've talked about like four guys who are actually on the lists. Yeah. Well, but, but this is, this is, you know, this is an important part of the conversation. Like why isn't Nick Henry on this list? And why are some of the, like Matt Steinberg made on the, may not be on the list in a year. Ambrosio Ralston, those guys may not be on these lists in a year. If we were just ranking all of the prospects in the system, obviously those guys would be somewhere on here. But we decided that we wanted to cut it off as guys that we could legitimately see as NHL players. Yeah. Uh, Sage and completely different conversation. Uh, we don't yeah. really have to get into that. But yeah, that's a that's a deep into the offseason. What happened with Brandon Sage and this overage fifth round pick that they didn't know what to do with. And then they got right. the CHL and it turns out he struggled anyway. Right. But- we do need to take our first period break, so it is time to acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Thinking about prospects, certainly high on the list of stuff that makes me want to drink sometimes. So you can head on down to the DNVR bar and pick up eight different types of Breck brew on a tap, or of course go to the farmhouse in Littleton and choose from dozens of flavors that they have. Bunch of amazing beers. Obviously, we love them over there. You see me drinking it all the time. I can't recommend them enough, so be sure to check them out if you haven't yet. Even if you are not local, you can use the Breck Beer Locator online to find Breckenridge Brew near you. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook with Rudo and AJ. So let's get it back to the list a little bit here as we move into some some higher guys. The reason I kind of wanted to have that conversation in the first period is because we look at this part of the list, particularly the part we're about to get into, and these are the type of guys that the abs haven't developed lately. And we've talked about it before. They need to start developing a Sasha Mutala, a Sampo Ranta, an Alex Bocage. You don't Mm -hmm. have to – not all of them are going to make it. Totally understand that. But Hell, they got one NHL player out of that group. We both would be excited. That's exactly what I'm saying. Eventually, you have to get at least one out of those mid-round guys. Yep. So uh, everyone who knows me knows I'm super high on Sasha Mutala. Um, I have him ranked at 10 on my list compared to to AJ's 15, which while that is a five-spot difference – it's not really that big of a difference. I Here's the thing about lists, right? Like the difference between Sasha Mutala and Jean-Luc Foodie for me is pretty minimal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the fact that you're a Mutala fanboy and you use every opportunity you have to tell the world about it. So you put him higher than the rest of us. Yes, exactly. 100% that. <laughs> but but I mean, look looking on your list too, you have the opposite. You have Foodie at 10 and Mutala at 15. Mm-hmm. And is there really that big of a gap between those guys? Um, the big the the gap between them for me personally is expectations, not okay. so much where they are current currently as prospects. Um, with Foodie, there's a little bit of dreaming that he might be able to be a top six guy if absolutely everything works out. With Mutala, I'm not ever, ever, I'm not, a, I'm not ever entertaining the conversation of him as a top six guy. I'm, I'm talking, I'm thinking more of him as a, if he maxes out, he's on the third line guy. So like, 
a minor, a minor nitpick. I'd give him middle six if he maxes out, but sure. It it would depend on the team composition, but I I totally under I. Yeah, we're in the same. Boat. I I think yeah, I think we're really really close to his upside being the same. Um, you just like him current day more than I do. My big concern with Mutala is the strength and translating it to pro hockey. A lot of a lot of the one man army stuff that he's able to get away with in the WHL, he's not going to be able to get away with in pro hockey. And is there enough skill there to overcome that? That um, push yeah. and pull is going to be my my big question mark with him. It's. I mean, this is this is a good conversation to have in in Foodie versus Mutala with Foodie. And, and we can talk about Bocage because it's the same type of thing. Foodie, yeah. the dude could skate in the NHL today. <sighs> and he would be one of probably a top 10 skater right. in the NHL today. Next to his brother, Liam. With Mutala, it's a bit of a different conversation because he has a pretty well-rounded game on the whole. Right. There isn't a single tool that jumps out at you and, and grabs your attention with Mutala's game. And then with Bocage, it's the shot. Yeah, NHL-level shot, for yeah. sure. So you're having two different development conversations with these type of players. With a foodie and Bocage, it's, okay, how do we get the rest of his game up to the NHL level? Yeah. With someone like Mutala, it's okay, how does his game as it is now translate to the next level, and how do we raise the the floor as much as we can? Yeah. So there are specific focuses that are needed for guys like Bocage and Foodie, I think. Bocage particularly, the skating obviously has to get better. For me, the, the Bocage concern is bigger than the Foodie. Because, in especially with the abs organization, the skating is such a huge the type part of, of players it. that they run for sure. Yeah. So, with foodie, you're trying to get a hockey player out of an athlete. Yep. And with Bocage, you're trying to get you're trying to improve the athleticism out of a hockey player with a big big flaw. And skating is one of those things. It's just it's so hard to improve. It's yeah. so hard for that to, to get better. The same way as, you know, for uh, a guy like foodie, the hockey IQ, can it, can he ever catch up to how fast he plays? Can his brain ever catch up to the speed at which he plays the game? Because if it, if it does, he would have been a first round pick and yep. we'd be talking about him as a top six guy for sure. That's also really hard to develop because how do you get better at that? You either have it or you don't. It's an innate thing. You can get better at it as you adjust to levels and and such, but at some point, you know, uh, it's interesting when you when you listen to a guy like Justin Bourne talk about when he played in the AHL. You know, and how he got to the AHL and even that was just it was just too much for him. Yep. And he he played on a team next to PA Parento. And he said that guy was just on a different level from the rest of us, yep. even in the AHL. And he said, even even at that level, I knew that this was too much for me. Can, can, can Foodie get to that? Is it going to be too much for him? It, kind of the same conversation we just had about Nick Henry. It When you make the jump, sometimes it's very obvious, the guys who have it and the guys who don't. 
Yeah. And that's, I look, that's what makes scouting and developing prospects so hard is when you make a yeah. significant jump to the pro level or to the NHL level or to wherever, you don't know what you're going to get until they get there. The AHL is a huge jump up from the CHL. Yeah. It's a huge jump. There's it's why you see guys who who score 85 points in 50 games that you've never heard of. Yep. Like they come rolling out of the WHL. You know, they're coming off a 45 goal season. You've they've not been drafted. They're 21 years old. You've never heard of them. And they roll into a the AHL. They get an AHL deal from somebody. They don't make the team and they go on to have like a prolific ECHL career yep. where they end up in Europe at best. Yep. It's, the difference is just it's it's a huge leap. And it's why those guys it's 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 why drafting is really hard. You're projecting kids into adults. Here's a conversation. Is the AHL the second best league in the world? Um I think it is. I mean, there's real NHL's first, obviously. Yeah. Realistic competitors <laughs> for second best. AHL, KHL, end of list. Maybe the Liga. I I wouldn't have the Liga or Sweden on there. I wouldn't have the SHL, but I think Because there are the, for me that there are there are too many guys that are ex NHLers that couldn't hack it that a, a guy like Andre Miranov comes over into the AHL and just you know, yeah. You're just like, eh. So I, I think I think the, I think the AHL is a higher level um, of play. Yeah, I, I it's it's one of those weird things, right? Because of the way the leagues are built, I do believe there's probably higher end talent in the KHL than there is in the AHL. I think that's probably true but that's because but, there's nowhere for the higher end talent to go right in the khl exactly um and on the whole across the league the khl we talked about suffers from being a very offense-minded league yeah well and, and a super imbalanced yeah and you have the rich teams and the poor teams and yeah. there's a the parity is not close in that league yeah so I would say I, I think on uh, on I would take the AHL as a as a tougher league. I think that's fair. I don't have a good argument against it. I do like the league as a, a quality league a little bit more than you do, especially as they get younger. But yeah, I mean it's a it's like a it's a good pro league. I just think that it's a clear step behind both the KHL and the AHL. Boy. I think I think a guy like uh I think a guy like AJ Greer would go into the league and be one of its best players. I think he'd do what he did in the the AHL. I think it'd be pretty similar. So anyway, we're, we're pretty sideways here to get back on topic as we kind of move into uh, our, our top 10 range here. So the, the, the name that we both have kind of jumped over here and that, that I think abs fans know and, and really, really like Ranta. some love in the chat for the Rambo Santa. So, yeah. And so, like Sampo Sampo is the the same concerns that I had when he was drafted and I wasn't thrilled with it um exist today where 
He's got he's got great size. He's got great skating. He has a great shot. He when you see him when he plays well, you're like, this is a this is a top six forward. Yep. This is gonna be Andre Burakovsky. He's got he's got the size. He's got the skill. He's got a great shot. He's he's a great skater. This is a, this is a guy. He's he's Andre Burakovsky. <laughs> like he's okay. Great. They used a third round pick on a, on that guy. But then there are so many times where that guy just doesn't do anything. He is a straight line player, north and south only. There's very little creativity in his game, and I think that it's a it's an IQ problem. I think that his his hockey sense isn't very good. I don't think he knows. I don't think he can play a creative game. I don't think he. I don't think he can play in any kind of way laterally. I think it's very drive wide and shoot. Yep. And if it goes in because it was a great shot, Yahtzee. <laughs> if it doesn't, try it again. And that's that's kind of it. Like there's not a lot of creativity. He's not driving a lot of offense. It's it's very much the same kind of thing for him. And at Minnesota, it hasn't really he's had some spectacular games where you can really dream on him, but it just hasn't quite gotten to where you want. I think I think he's absolutely worthy of an ELC at the end of his junior year. And I'm excited to see what he brings to the Eagles at some point. But I think his his upside gets oversold by his fans. Here's what I need out of Sampo Ranta. I can accept the IQ issues. He's never going to be someone that's super creative, but he has the physical gifts to be an NHLer anyway. Oh yeah. You just need to get a consistent level of play out of the guy. You're not asking him to be smart out there, but the dude is built like a freaking tank. Just play to your size and use your high end skills and you'll be just fine. But the, just have not gotten consistency out of him in the NCAA yet. There was one stretch of games where it looked like he was finally figuring out how to play consistently. And I was like, this guy's an NHLer for sure. If he plays like this for a whole season, but he yeah. just can't, he just has not done it yet. Yep. So if you get the, if you get the consistency effort level out of him, he can still absolutely be an NHL player, but he's got to bring it. It's where the junior year is huge. He yep. needed the junior year a lot this year. He needs this season of development. It's very important for him uh, to play. Yeah, he's got to have it, man. I agree. Like I, he's, it's just too important for him. And he's a he's a guy that you have real NHL hopes for. Like that's a that's a guy that you see, you know, three years from now. That guy, you're hoping he's in the NHL. Yeah, that guy replaces Jonas Donskoy when Donskoy's contract is up, kind of thing. You know, like. I'm it's he should be he should be higher on this list based on his tools yeah and that's always been the frustration with him the we talk about Bokash he's got a great shot which a foodie he's a great skater Ranta has both of that and great size the only question is is can he play can he play hockey fast enough can he can he process the game yep so and, and it's been too limited on his and everywhere he's ever been, uh, his production has underwhelmed always. Relative relative to 
who he could be. Right. Relative to the skills that he flashes when he's on and he's playing at his best. He was seriously his draft year there. He was seriously a top pick. He's the type of prospect that it's super easy to project his ceiling. What's hard about it is getting him there. That's a great way to put it. The so. easiest, the easiest guy to dream on the, yep. the guy that you have to YouTube responsibly yep. because when you watch a highlight reel, you're like, what the hell are we doing? Talking about this guy in the seventies, <laughs> what's going on here. Yep. But when you watch him shift to shift, you're just like, Jeez, man, there are entire games where that guy just doesn't do anything. It's yeah. An act of detriment at times. It's not just, he's invisible. Um, but we'll see. I do want to finish up this segment by talking about the first goalie or the, the lower ranked goalie on the list and Adam Warner, uh, who look, I think we both put him this high because let's face it. He played a couple NHL games last year. He's right on the precipice. We've talked a couple times over the last couple of weeks, how Joe Sackick seems content in him being their third goaltender. Yeah. Um, uh, not a guy that we think the ceiling is super high on, but yeah. the proximity to the NHL is why he's ranked as high as he is on our list. AJ having him at 11. Yep. That's pretty much it. And I, when I first made my list, I had him higher. And then I was like, I, I just, I've never really believed Adam Werner had real NHL potential, but I also say that and want to point out the fact that I don't know shit about goaltenders <laughs> and Trying to trying to guess on a goaltender, that's all you're doing. Yep, pretty much. So it it'll be interesting. Um, either way, at the end of the season, he'll no longer be eligible to be on the prospect list as he will turn 24. So uh, this is a very big year for his career as far as the NHL is concerned. It, this this is huge, man. This is yep. like he's going to get an opportunity to be the Eagle starter, and if he doesn't take it, we're probably writing him off as a meaningful prospect. Yep. I think pretty definitively has to become the man to go to in, in Loveland and hopefully yeah. has an opportunity. Well, I would never hope for injuries, but if the opportunity arises, he should be the guy that they call up. Realistically, one of those guys is going to pull a groin or something, and they'll at least call up their third goaltender at some point. Yep. So that's, you know, with Werner, and it's mostly just... We'll see. Uh, With a goaltender, I don't ever want to be, like, too high or too low. Um, We'll we'll see. Unless, Unless it's obvious, like, it was with like Askarov or back in the day when I was totally in love with Vasilevsky when he was a prospect, like <laughs> those were easy ones, right? Yeah. Oh, this guy's got amazing athleticism and he's got great size and he's a he's perfectly built to be a star goaltender. Wow. Big shock that he became one, you know, like those are, those are easy with guys like Werner and all. I don't know. The, I, you drafted a dude in the fifth round. It did. <laughs> it's just second time eligible dude in the fifth yeah. round. You're just hoping for the best. Yep. That they've uh, gotten this far, that they got an NHL win out of Adam Werner is already like value. <laughs> yes. 
Do need to take our second period break with Chevalier Mortgage. Both Mike and Virginia have been doing this for more than 15 years, so they have a ton of financial services experience, and they're diehard Broncos fans as well as longtime DNVR supporters. You can head them up at dnvrmortgage.com or call Virginia directly at 303-257-6578. If you go to dnvrmortgage.com, you can get a free DNVR shirt of your hat if you win the raffle going on over there so at least be sure to go on over there and enter into that and you can get yourself set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options as well since your home is likely to be one of your largest assets and your mortgage your largest debt both mike and virginia believe it is vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home including your short-term and long-term planning goals your investments and your tax situation Mike and Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. So again, visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS 1910631. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Jeremy asks, to what degree can hockey IQ be improved? I think that's a good question. Um, Look, there's a limit to to everyone's ability on the ice when it comes to thinking the game. You, people can only think the game so fast. It's harder to get them to think the game faster. There are ways to work around this, though, including structure. You're never going to get the creativity out of someone like Sampo Ranta. Yeah. But if you put him in a structured system where he doesn't have to think about where to go and he just goes to his spot and plays the way the structure has set up for him you can allow the talent to carry him a bit. This is this is where I'm concerned about Sampo Ranta in Colorado. Yep. Is that the Avs push some of their guys to show like to to kind of be all-around guys to I think particularly in the AHL development level especially they want you to be able to do it on your own to a certain right extent. well yeah you have to be able to you have to be able to access your tools and yeah a guy like that has high level skill he's got to be able to tap into it on a regular basis yep if you can't if you can't do it most nights the tools are useless like yep. they you can't get get to them you know and with with ranta there are too many situations where too many games where he's not he's not making use of it. He's got all the all this ability and he just doesn't there's just doesn't do anything with it where you're just like, okay. And uh, Didi, it just man it, it just depends on how much room there is that Ranta can improve. And the only person yeah. who knows that answer is Sampo Ranta. Yeah. And and uh, there will reach the, you know, there there will be a point where the guy just can't play the game anymore. Yep. At, at or he can't he can't handle the speed, yep. Or he can, and that's and then he gets to the NHL, and that's as fast as the game gets. You go and you watch at ice level. You go and you watch an AHL game, and then go and watch an NHL game at ice level, and you'll get an idea of what I'm talking about here. Like at some point, you have to be able to make the decision. That half second is the difference between you being an NHL regular and you being an AHL regular. You have to be able to make that decision and you have to be able to execute. You can't just, you have to make the decision. You have to make the right decision and you have to execute the decision. All of it at the same time, at the fastest level possible against the most talented players in the world. It's why the NHL is very difficult to get into and even harder to stay in. But you can't like you, and there, 
you can watch all the film in the world, but once you get out there, you can't just do it. Every, no, I shouldn't say every, but almost every NHL regular, there's a certain floor that you have to hit in every aspect of the game. Yeah. If you're the greatest shooter in the world, but you literally can't stand up on skates, it does not matter. Right. If you can skate like the wind, but your hands are made out of concrete, does not matter. Yeah. You, so. you, there are so many little things. This is, this is, it's a, it's hard. It's hard for me to put into words, but when I'm, when I'm watching a game and especially when you're watching prospects at like a camp, yep, you can sit down and you can, you can pick little things you can out. See the difference. Yep. Yeah. You can see it's, it's, you know, it's, it's always, the devil is always in the details, the little things that guys are able to do uh, and, and not do, you know, I, I remember going to a, to my first ever develop abs development camp when I moved here in 2009 and Kevin Shattenkirk is just whipping passes across the tape to tape, hitting guys on the move. And it's like, okay, you, you've set me up with a great segue here. Number seven on your list, a guy that we've watched in camp that does all the little details, right? Shane Bowers. Yeah. And we're just jumping over some dudes here. We'll get back. I want to talk about Hellison, but it was just a nice transition to Bowers. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, works perfectly. <laughs> um, so uh, Bowers is one of those guys, I think, for AJ and I, where you just you see the polish. You mm-hmm. see that little bit extra that a guy like that has, and that's why we're so high on him as a guy who we would love to see get games this year, who can be a replacement on an ELC for the Avs in the future. There's a confidence level there that there is yeah. a lot of these guys that we have ranked lower. Definitely. Um, and and it's, some of this is also just being familiar with Shane Bowers as a prospect um, because when he was in his draft year, I loved him in his draft year. Yep. But he was always a late first round guy because the offensive upside was the major question mark. How much is he really going to produce? Yep. And if you look at, if you look at every, every step of the way, everywhere he's ever been, the offense just hasn't been there. He's just not a dynamic offensive player. And that, that puts, you know, he's a, he's a great skater. He's extremely smart. Uh, He's, he reads the play at a very high level. He's an NHL player in all of those aspects right now. Yep. But, you know, there was a reason that this kid was really hyped when he was, when he went into the, the Q draft. You know, coming, you know, as a as a Nova Scotian, there was a lot of hype on him coming out of there. And he I think he was drafted fourth overall, I, I believe. In, I mean ultimately didn't end up going to the queue anyway, but right. And then skipped that because he wanted to go play college hockey. But like what I'm saying is that the tools have always been there for powers. Like yep. there have always been like the skating and the IQ and the size. That combination has always been there, but it's it's the shot, it's the playmaking. It's he just doesn't have that dynamic, and he doesn't have that dynamic offensive upside. We, we're not talking about him as a top six center. You know, maybe in time he gets there. Maybe in time he works his way into it, like in a, like Ryan O'Reilly did, where it was a really slow start to his career, but he just kept getting better and better and better because he was so smart. And guys that can read the game at a really, really high level, even in the NHL, they can do things 
to overcome maybe like some 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 skill deficiencies, especially guys who are really good defensively, like Bowers is. Bowers, I mean, Bowers is a guy that should be a better skating Ryan O'Reilly, maybe without the offensive upside, but like early career O'Reilly, where he was, you know, 26 points should yep. be a should be a baseline expectation for Bowers. And then he should get better as his career goes on. The, Does he ever become a consistent like fifty point guy? Where you're talking about him as a as a two C, you know, a, a two C, maybe a high end three C, depending on the team that he's on. It maybe, but it's not what I'm banking on. But for what, where he really, really fits well in with the Abs is the identity that the Abs play with. Where we talk about Ranta, they're going to push him outside of his comfort zone. Bowers is in his comfort zone at all times in the Avs system. I think the phrase that gets thrown around a lot is, is Bowers is or should be what people think Comfer is. Yeah. Down the middle. Or I think Comfort as well, but Comfort Comfort will probably have a better shot, but otherwise, yeah, absolutely. Like when you talk about, Oh, he's a, he's a great two way center, you know, what yep. a blah, blah. Yes. That's yep. a, yes. Bowers Bowers should be, he should be a very good if he maxes out and like we he, he if he if he a, accomplishes reaches his realistic potential yeah not like his absolutely everything not went perfectly the god mode yeah <laughs> right and and this is like the absolute max scenario where he becomes Sean Couturier you know it's he 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 should be a thirty five ish point guy that plays great defense for you and wins a ton of faceoffs and is a and is PK it, it legitimately good on the PK. Yep. Not you know a major upgrade on JT Comfer. Like a major upgrade. And that's that's we said on what yesterday's show like JT Comfer is not the worst third line center in the NHL. Right. Like we've been kind of hard on him this summer or this offseason but that's that's from the perspective of uh, how can the team get better. He's actually pretty freaking good as an NHL player. Like he belongs in the NHL. Bowers should be if he if he gets to where we think he can, he should be an upgrade. Yep, I agree. And that that he's seventh on my list is a testament to where this is headed. Yeah, a uh, uh, couple more guys that we can be quick about before we jump into our top six. Sorry. Uh, you're fine. Uh, Nikolai Kovalenko still in the KHL. Uh, he's a guy one year left on his deal. The question is, is he willing and can he be ready to jump directly into the NHL? Yeah. When he comes over, if he comes over. Same, same questions uh, as Bowers. What's the upside there? Uh, who is he uh, in the NHL? Well, and that's, know? the thing about him is he's kind of an oddball in the KHL because he's a player who does play a style that should fit in the bottom six of the NHL very well, which is not something you see a lot of in the KHL. It's a lot of high mm-hmm. talent, top six or bust type players. Yeah. But he's a bit of a wrecking ball over there and yeah. it does make him easy to project into an NHL role. It's, it's funny because uh, he's, he's small. Yeah. He's, he's not a big guy, but, like uh, he's he's short. He's a fire hydrant. That's, he's short, but he's yeah. he's really stocky. Bowling ball and, type of guy. Yep. And he plays like a madman. Like yep. he's he's ultra physical. Like 
this is this is the spiritual successor to Matt Calvert that you're looking for. Yep. Fans are going to love the guy. Yep. It's just not what you think about when you think of prototypical Russian player, especially yep. you know, son of a former NHLer. You're you're just naturally thinking about high skill guy, you know, flashy. Not Kovalenko at all, but very he should translate to me. If they don't get an NHL player out of Kovalenko, it better be because he didn't want to come across. Yep. And he has a very cushy situation playing for his dad in yes. the KHL. It, it, he can hang out there and have a cushy job for his entire life if he wants. Yeah. But. It'll really the springtime will be very instructive for him because if he if he wants to come across, the ads are gonna offer that guy an ELC. Yeah, 100%. He'll, he'll get an ELC offer, and he should come across, and he should be in the mix for the NHL team immediately. Yep, and that would make next offseason very, very interesting. Yeah. But we'll get there when we get there. The other is Drew Hellison. AJ, you had him ranked eighth. I had him ranked all the way down at 13th. Um, look, he's a second-round pick. I think he's risen on your board significantly, yeah. whereas kind of funnily enough, I was higher on him at the draft, and he's dropped a little bit. Um but so another, explain why. Explain why he's dropped after the freshman year that he had. Um, I was hoping for a little bit more out of the offensive side of the puck, specifically the offensive zone. Yes, I think he's solid at distributing pucks out for zone exits, mm-hmm. but there's just not enough there right now for me yes. in the offensive zone. Man, it's a concern. Yep. But what I really, really like about him, um, he has great size, six foot yeah. three. Uh, he's right-handed, which actually hurts him in the Av system. It might be the only system in the NHL where being on the right. right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it might honestly be the only one in the NHL where that's going to be a detriment to him. Um, <clears throat> but he's he's got very good feet. Yep. I I love I love his skating at his size and with his physicality. He is nasty. That dude will put you through the wall. One he year. is when 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 people complain about the abs not being physical enough uh, and needing needing a little bit of a meaner streak. This guy's all mean streak. He's a jerk. He Proto- sucks to play against. Prototypical modern defensive defenseman. Nobody wants to play against him. He's super strong defensively, physical in his own end, and yep. can move the puck out. Yeah, he's got puck skills, and that's what makes the lack of production frustrating. Um, because we on that that loaded team that he was on in the at the U.S. development program, he ran some power play there, and that's because he has puck skills. Yep. But it doesn't. He doesn't seem to really be comfortable with them in the offensive zone. Yep. And so that that obviously hard caps a guy. If you you know you're looking to get a good defender out of him, I think he's already there. I think I think he could probably turn pro defensively at the end of his sophomore season. I would agree. And I, I, I did drop him on my list. I don't want to take anything away from him. I think you can still project this guy to the NHL pretty easily. Mm-hmm. It's just a question uh, for me of what is his ceiling? And I think it's dropped for me a bit. Um, okay. I think, I think my ceiling of him is probably the same. I just like a lot more of what I saw at BC than I did at the development program. And I, I, I really didn't like him in his draft year. I really didn't. And then at BC, I took a much bigger shine to what he did well. Right. I, again, I think 
this is as much us like probably coming to about level on how we feel about them. It's just you're on the up and I'm on the down. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I have him. I moved him up um, ahead of some of these guys because I think that he's. I think that he's closer to pro ready than we talk about, and I think that he gets forgotten about in the system a lot um, because of the high end defenders that are in the system. It's just a rare. It's just a rare system. Yeah. Also, like Drew Hellison a year from now is probably a top five abs prospect because there's going to be an awful lot of graduations yeah. that are going to be taking place. The the defensive abs prospects list as soon as Byram and Timmons graduate is Baron Hellison. <laughs> yeah. And way down on that list is Ravilov. And yeah. then I I almost put Nate Clerman on this list. I almost put Nikki Lieberman on this list because I, I want to dream. But, <laughs> you're a dreamer. Definitely yeah. a dreamer if you're putting those on your list. Yeah. Um all right, we'll call this the overtime period as we move yeah. into our, our top six here. It, we both have very similar top sixes. The only difference is I put Bowers in my top six, whereas you put Annan in. Yeah, and that's upside. Um, that's that's purely about the idea that I think Eustace Annan could be a starter in the NHL, and I think yep. Bowers is probably a 3C. And I had Annan at 7, for what it's worth. So, <laughs> just missed. Yeah. But, um, I we talked about this briefly on yesterday's show. With I put Bowers at five. Proximity to the NHL for these guys is big to me, and and yeah. Bowers is someone who should be having an impact in the NHL certainly in 2022, if not this coming season. Yeah, he should so, get his first NHL game this this upcoming year. Yep. Whereas Annan, 100. If you're making this list on purely ceiling. Honestly, he's probably higher than Cout as well. Yeah, if we were doing purely ceiling, Annan is probably third or fourth. Yeah, I. You have to have the conversation of Annan versus Baron probably on on yeah. higher ceiling and how yep. much you believe that Annan is a starting goaltender. But yep, I, I think that's fair. Uh, moving up AJ's list here, he has Martin Cout at five. I had Cout at three. Um, I'm curious why you have him below Timmons. Um, because I think that Timmons is a guy that it may not happen in Colorado, but I think he's a, I think he's a caliber of second pairing defenseman and that's more valuable than a middle six right wing. Okay. And that's, that's, yeah, I can, I can agree with that. Um, I I guess I was looking at this as more of a Colorado system thing where realistically Cout's going to have a better shot of being a regular, assuming Byram gets an opportunity than mm-hmm. Tim's. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, and, you know, for the Avs, Timmons is kind of an odd fit, but his proximity to the NHL and uh, the what he's already done and his what I perceive to be his upside. I've always been a believer in Connor Timmons. The only thing that has given me pause is his inability to stay healthy long term. Yep. Um, so that's that's the only thing about Connor Timmons that I seriously don't believe in. Um, and that's more of like a can this happen? We we both had him at four, and 
I even spelled his name wrong once. So good job, me. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Corrected it once, but not twice. Because, you know, I got some Sampo Ranta brain going on. What can I say? Uh, but look, we talked about Timmons probably more than a lot of guys on this list in the idea that he's ready for the NHL. Mm-hmm. And that matters. That's why he's in the top six. When you have a ceiling like he does, when you're ready for the NHL, the abs again are very luxurious when it comes to their defensive system in not having to graduate this guy immediately. Yeah. They um uh, really that they have three defenders on this list. You know, we each have three defensemen in their top six. Yep. I mean, I've got four defensemen in their top eight. This is they're they're set up for the future. Nicely. Very, very well. Yeah. Um, that other defenseman, of course, being Justin Barron, AJ having him at three. Again, I'm having him at six. Probably another conversation of NHL proximity versus ceiling. Uh, yeah, for me, it was I, I had a hard time putting him behind Timmons despite NHL proximity. Yep. Um, because I look at Barron and I basically think that he is almost everything that Connor Timmons is except bigger and a better skater. Um, I I don't know that the hockey IQ is on the same level as Timmons, but I think that it's close enough that the other clear disparities and the other attributes put his upside uh, quite a bit higher for me. If Justin Barron maxes out, he's a borderline top pairing defenseman. How much pause does his production give you? Because we saw Connor Timmons in his uh, draft year, you know, was near a point per game player. Barron put up 19 points in in 34 games this year and 41 points in 68 games last year. Um, it doesn't give me tons of pause because Timmons was on a dominant a uh, OHL team. Yeah, the Greyhounds were extremely good during his time there. And obviously he's part of that, but that's also um, when we're looking at, and this is especially true for defenseman production. um, It's so team dependent at the junior level that in, unless there's a major, major, major down, down year. Like if, if he had like 10 points in 50 games or something, you know, like where you're like, Whoa, what happened? Because that can't, if you're a high-end prospect, you, you find your way to points to a certain extent. Yeah. Exactly. Like, and we used to always talk about the, you know, the 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 what the entire joke about Timmons during his D plus one year was that he just showered himself in secondary assists. Yep. He was just drowning in them, and I'm not worried about that with Justin Barron. If Halifax has always been good, uh, they. That's a that's a quality that's a quality program to 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 get guys out of. I, I just think that there's between between that and and the skills and the upside and everything with Baron. My only concern with him during the draft process was blood clots, and once that came back healthy, it changed the whole conversation for me. Yeah. I didn't I didn't think about him seriously until the blood clot issue was taken care of, which happened the week of the draft. <laughs> and by that point, it was tough for us to to suddenly switch gears and be like Justin Barron. Yep. Um, 
I just think that he's the the guy. A future top four of Byram, Makar, and Gerard, and Baron. Skateboard around you. It's so if those guys max out, dude. It's it's unbelievably yeah. good. It's if you don't win a Stanley Cup with that group, it's a massive letdown. You're the especially given what you have. Predators, basically, if you don't win a Stanley Cup with that defense, right? But you have the guys up front that are I, already in place. I I understand, and that's that's it's just the rich getting richer. Yep, it's like uh, the rich during the pandemic when they literally got richer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Not going to go there. Um, <laughs> I made my tweet about it earlier today. So oh, did you? I missed it. So I've actually not been on Twitter outside of retweeting both of the pods I've been on today. So. Nice. Uh, but it's been so liberating. As far as this pod is concerned, you have New Hook at one, I have Byram at one. So. The top two prospects in the system are pretty definitive, but there's a conversation yeah. to have about which one is the true number one. I think there is. Um, I'll let. Uh, do, do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Why? Why your? Why you are right, or why I am right? I can go first if you want. Have uh, at it. First of all, something you already mentioned on this podcast: the defensive position is a premium, which gives true. Byram a little bit of an edge for me. Uh, secondly. I still believe in Byram as a top pairing defenseman, maybe not a true number one, but the type of guy where you get, call it a Ryan Suter, the the guy who plays a silly amount of minutes for you. And in that regard has a, a more significant impact on the game because he's just always out on the ice. Okay. Totally willing to concede Newhook can be the more electric player at times, not to take that away from Byram, but <laughs> who has like insanely yeah. dynamic offensive upside? Crazy ass <laughs> highlights when you go look right. up his highlights. Like, no, oh, this guy could be more electric, electric. And then you go and you watch a guy who had a 26 goal season yeah, right. as a defenseman. Exactly. <laughs> so I mean, that's praise for New Hook, really. But right. I don't. I want New Hook to do it again. I don't think I can consider Newhook ahead of Byram until he goes out and mercs NCAA again this year, which I think he will, but he's got to do it for me again and prove how much of this is consistently repeatable for him because, you know, he went on a 17 game point streak where he had like 25 points on it this year. If he can repeat that, all right dude, you can be rank one, but how much of that is he's just better than everyone on the ice and how much of that was a hot streak? I don't know yet. Okay. So no no holding it against Byram that the first half of the season he looked like he was no, just... I'm literally completely not worried about that. It, okay. It, he, first of all, I think he was working on his defense first in that time frame. Mm-hmm. And secondly, he very clearly showed at the WJ season afterward that if he wants to dunk on that league, he absolutely can. Yeah. When he's when he decides it's time. It's yeah. Time. Yeah. Agreed. So the reason that I have New Hook one 
Um, yep. What Newhook did in college hockey last year just hasn't been done very often. That's true. Um, and I get that he was also on an absolutely jacked Boston <laughs> college team. Um, you can't overlook that. But when you talk about position value, getting a dynamic offensive, high-end offensive centers, I think that's right next to top defensemen as the hardest thing to get in the league. And I think that Alex Newhook would be the future 1C for 25, 26 franchises in the NHL. And Colorado just doesn't happen to be one of them. (laughs) <laughs> that's true like that's just that's just the way that it shook out um i think the year that alex newhook put up at boston college won me over from this is an electric 2c future 2c to i think the abs might have an actual superstar on their hands and this is not something like i keep a lot of this to myself Because we try, you and I try really hard on the pod not to be like. We try to keep it on the level as much as like we, yeah, we we try and be honest and objective, and we try not to like get the hype train going out of control and be like, they're winning six Stanley Cups in a row. They're the (laughs) best team in the world. Nobody can get on the ice with these fools. You know, like none of that, right? Yeah, like we don't. You and I really, really don't want to come across as like the fanboy, right? Exactly. So I only say that because when I say that I think Alex Newhook has superstar potential, I mean it. I think that the personality and the dynamic skill level, they just jump off the ice in a way that is very rare and very special. If there was a redraft of last year, I wouldn't take him like ahead of Jack Hughes. Or Kirby Doc. Probably not even Capo Cacao, despite that rookie year. Yeah. But I don't know that there is a forward that I would take over New Hook. Definitely not Cousins. And it wouldn't be Cousins. It wouldn't be Turcotte. And the only one that would give me some pause is Zegras. And that's because I just, I think Zegras is just 10 tons of fun. Zegras is either going to be an absolute superstar of like the width, uh, the likes of which there is not another in the NHL, or the super flashy game is going to meet a very, very ugly end in the NHL. <laughs> so, um, but with but with Newhook, I think that there is a chance that Newhook is a legitimate NHL superstar, and that he's going to give Colorado the kind of one-two punch that Edmonton has with Dreisaitl and McDavid right now, where I think that they could easily have two guys that if they absolutely wanted to, they could just throw new hook onto the left wing next to McKinnon and Rantanen. And every single one of those guys could have a hundred point season together. And things just get silly at that point. And that's the kind of, that's the kind of like, if he, if he absolutely maxes out, that's that's what I'm dreaming on for Alex New. Talking about 1980s Oilers level stuff. We're talking we're talking like these other guys we've talked about. Oh, I'm I'm dreaming on Sampo Ranta, and I came up with Andre Burakovsky. I came up with a 45 point player. That's definitely fair. I, you know, like so I'm when just, I'm uh, yeah, 
when I say when I say that I'm dreaming on a guy, like I'm looking at I'm looking at Alex Newhook doing for Colorado what Braden Point did for Tampa Bay. Where if Nathan McKinnon goes down during the middle of a playoff run, that Alex Newhook just becomes your one C and your team just keeps going. That's that's the kind of that's the kind of upside that Alex Newhook made me a believer in this last year. At the draft last season, I was thinking, you know what? This guy could be Matt Duchesne. Yep. This guy could be this guy could be a 65 point center that is electric with his feet and gets up and down the ice and is is lightning, right? And is a lot of fun. And he's a he's an awesome compliment. And Shane Bowers slots in perfectly as the really also really fast third line center who's great defensively. And you are an absolute juggernaut down the middle. Like that's the dream, right? But yep. With New Hook, now the dream is you have Nathan McKinnon competing for the heart and you have Alex Newhook stealing votes from him. <laughs> and that's that's where I am today. That's where I believe Alex Newhook's upside to be. It's why I have him number one. And it's why when he goes out and he has a sophomore year where he's barely a point per game, I'm going to look stupid and people aren't going to trust me ever again. But that's that's where I feel like he is right now. And I'm... I. I watched a ton of BC this season trying to talk myself out of it. But when you, when you watch guys who are special, you just know that there's something different about them. And with Byram, I've always struggled with, I don't, I don't know that he's special. I think he's really good. I think he's going to be a good NHL player. I think he has a, he should be a great NHL player. I think Alex Newhook has a chance to be an elite NHL player. And that's the only separation I see between the two. All right. You heard it here first. Alex Newhook, Hall of Famer, confirmed. (laughs) Uh, If that happens, I absolutely get to take credit (laughs) for anybody else that he's not related to. Uh, But look, whether you have Byram or Newhook one, the high end of this system is ridiculous. Ridiculous for how yeah. good the team already is. It falls off really fast uh, yes, into yes. like really, really good like depth guys. Right. But the, that that Byram and Newhook is certainly the start of a system that I'm not sure how many other franchises would take right now, but it's a lot of them. Yep. Yeah. They... Like take the top top two prospects out of Winnipeg right now, and they would absolutely take Byram and Newhook every single time. Yeah, because that would be like the perfect. That would be <laughs> exactly like the what they need for yeah. the system. Oh, what a replacement center and a defenseman that right would like immediately. <laughs> right now, it's like Cole Perfetti and Billy Hanala, right? Yeah, and like that's a that's a really good start. That's, that's they're very happy with that. But like what Colorado? That's just to say that what Colorado has at the very very tip top is special. It's yes. very good. It's why we believe that. They certainly have a cup in their future. Even I mean, look, yeah. they may have a cup before them, but even if they don't win a cup in the coming season, this team is probably going to only get better. Right. There's a very real conversation that the Avalanche three years from now are better than the Avalanche today. Yep. And it's because of some of these kids graduating. Yep. It's exactly right. So. And then we're going to look back on this pod in five years, and Jean Luc Foodie is going to be the best. Yeah, of all like 
scoring 70 points a season and just circles around dudes. He's a 40 goal scorer. And we're like, what the hell is this? Trent Miner is the Avs starter in a decade. (laughs) (laughs) AJ won't allow himself to go that far. It would have been a deeper cut had you gone with Shamil Schmackov. God, that's not a real person still. All right. (laughs) Well, based on how it went last year, the back injury was just them changing his witness protection location. (laughs) You notice how he makes big moves across the world every year? Man, can you imagine trying to be in witness protection when you're (laughs) 6'6"? How recognizable you must be everywhere you go. Like, they have to like specifically recruit the tallest offensive tackles out of college yeah, football right. to be his security detail. <laughs> They're like, okay, you guys are not going to the NFL, but you don't, you totally have a career bodyguarding <laughs> huge people. Whenever, uh, Bull Bull decides he wants to retire. It's like, oh we got God. a job for you, buddy. <laughs> he, you, he can't be security. He's just too different. It's, <laughs> he's too noticeable. It stands out too much. Yeah, exactly. He. Could you imagine that guy trying to wear jeans? Yeah, that'd be... He'd have to wear the, like, Junko jeans that are super duper baggy. Dude, they don't make jeans for Bull Bull. Uh, He'd have to, and that's true. He'd have to, like, get them custom made, but. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, the guy, been... guy, like, calls up, like, Gap headquarters, and he's like, can I get a, can I get a custom order of jeans? And they're like, yeah. what? Uh, 28 waist, 50 length. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> or is this a prank? <laughs> We've been going for like 80 minutes now and we're off yeah. the rails. So time to wrap it up. Uh, hope you enjoyed. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to be right back talking prospects again tomorrow. Yeah. So it'll be a, it'll be fun uh, tomorrow. Probably looking at the, uh, the depth chart and, and how these guys fit into the AV system as a whole, not just as a prospect rank. Did you leave Adam in off your list? No, he was seven. Look, Are you sure? Right there. Okay. Seven. I thought I thought I saw him too, but usually you lie people in the comments. I not today, YouTube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I almost left Werner off, and then at the last second, I was like, "Oh yeah, Werner." <laughs> yeah, I uh, mine mine was Bokash. I kept making my list and kept forgetting him. You're like, someone's missing. <laughs> yeah. And I went and I looked, I was like, I looked at your list. And I was like, who am I missing? I was like, all oh, right. <laughs> and well, then I moved him around five different times. And I was like, all right, this is fine. This is fine. So there you go. On that there you note, go. DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. Get on them. If you haven't joined yet, you can get a $1,000 bonus when you sign up with code DNVR this week for a limited time only. So be sure to jump on it and be sure to use that DNVR code. Show our sponsors a little bit of love and let them know we sent them your way. Of course, you can bet on pretty much anything. Esports, football, European basketball. That's You can bet on the 2021 Tour de France already, if that's what you're into. So 
literally any sporting event under the sun. You can bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook, and they give you amazing odds boosts that change every single day. You can even do the, the strategy we came up with. All right, guaranteed moneymaker here. Watching the World Series, bet first pitch strike every single time. That's guaranteed, right. guaranteed moneymaker. So get on it today. Head on over to DraftKings Sportsbook. Again, use that code DNVR when you sign up for a new account and you can get up to a $1,000 sign up bonus for a limited time. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Bonus comprises a first deposit bonus and first bet match. Each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25x playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And on that note, Thank you for watching, listening, or however you consume the podcast. Two more episodes today. We've gotten a crazy number of jersey collections sent to us. So thank you for that. Don't forget to set up your roasted rosters over on Cap Friendly as well, as that will be another segment on Free Skate Friday. But first, we have Thursday's show to talk about as well. And yeah, I guess we'll talk to you guys tomorrow.